Hi, I'm Rob Paulson, and you may know me better as Pinky from Pinky and the Brain. And hey, God, you're watching Side Boy Saturday Night. Get everybody! your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Hello, dear friends, and welcome to TalkCast number 534. Is that number right? You know what? It is. And it's another edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night, brought to you once again without any meaningful REM sleep. That's why I feel the way I do. Junk sleep. You know, I've been see- Cam, have you been seeing that commercial on TV for junk sleep? God, I hate that. I want to. I want to punch the guy who figured out that that was a good commercial. Anyway, I can't say as I have though. Okay, good, good, because I'm gonna punch. The, I'm gonna find the guy. I'm gonna punch him. I'm your host. i uh, the guy passing on the flu shot, taking the whiskey shot. They call me the Dome. We are the only podcast to guarantee to retain carbon neutrality for the rest of the fiscal year, becoming all electric before the end of 2023. I'm getting me one of them new electronic cars. Uh yeah, I was looking at them today. Oh, I was looking at those electric cars today, Cam. <laughs> yes, and oh, 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 then that new that new electric uh, Ford Mustang. Oh my God! Oh, it is the coolest thing ever. Please tell me you got a test drive. Well, no, I'm getting a test drive next week. Okay, all right. I need we need the next week giving me a report on oh my god it is just the coolest looking thing in the world first of all coolest looking thing in the world joining me in the area 51 broadcast bunker tonight is our old friend commander cam who at some point will tire of my taunts and then we're going to have to reprocess him because we're running low on soil and green uh it's another mask mandated fully quarantined evening here in area 51 in this episode it's time to play when is a generation ship not a generation ship? Isn't that a great question, Cam? I think that's a fantastic question, actually. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Answering that question tonight is author Brad C. Anderson. Brad, welcome to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Hello, hello. How's it going? It's going really, really well. And I ask you that question because you can answer it with your book tonight. Oh, I was like trying to think, like, this sounds like the setup for a joke. When is a generation ship not a generation ship? I'm like, oh, I need a dad. Where's where's the dad when you need one? To get a dad no, 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 this? no, no. Because we just finished reading your book, Do a Tarot. Excellent. And there are, there are, there are some, there is an element of, um, well, interplanetary travel there. And the planet, Do a Tarot is essentially analogous to a generation ship. Yeah, you could call it that. Kind of all left all left on its own, hurtling through the universe, just a small little band of humans trying to hang on. 
trying to hang on, not knowing kind of where they came from or where they're going to. Yeah, kind of getting sick of each other in a, in a way. <laughs> really getting sick of each other. Yeah. And, and going through a eight, eight, nine-year uh, generational kind of thing called the cult. The cult? Yeah. Cult. I think you meant yeah, cult, yeah, yeah. though. I did say call, didn't I? Yep, yep, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's that's a neat angle. I don't think anybody's ever mentioned that angle before. But yeah, it is kind of like a little isolated, um, you know, an isolated island in the universe. It's like a small little microcosm of humans uh, sort of surrounded by a um, merciless universe that doesn't care, doesn't care for them. And uh, yeah, 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 they're kind of stuck with each other trying to find the trying to figure out how to stay alive, trying to figure out how to live with each other. Well, they, we walk into this, this story of this planet and we learn about the great Donna yes. and Port Donna in an agrarian culture. And we learn that there used to be Every nine years, a ship that would come and resupply them and bring more people and more supplies and more goods. And then it just stopped. Yeah. And no one knows why. So that first year, they waited. Yeah. And then... Nine years later, they all stood there and nothing happened again. Yeah. And that just and, went on. And on. And then things gradually began to break down. Yeah. Yeah. And as things happen, it began to wear down and fall apart. And where we came in on this story, we don't really know. Right. Yeah. So, go go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go for it. Go for it. So here we are somewhere in the future of this, this culture, this planet, this history. And whatever was is very different than where it is now. There's you you feel you feel that there's a there's a humanity that has shifted considerably and you get touches of English humanity uh uh civilization of a sort right of a sort but you've created you've 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 created a very new universe. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I that was you've captured sort of a lot of the spirit of the setting that I was trying to set up. I I, I really wanted to create a world that had been abandoned. Really, uh, that as you say 
thousands of years ago in this in this culture's history. It's an interplanetary colony. You know, they're being resupplied by Earth. They're getting new technologies, new people from Earth. It was all getting set up. And then one year, mysteriously, just stopped, uh, you know, the supply ships just stopped showing up and they never showed up since. Uh, and, and I wanted to try to create a world that was in decline, right? Uh, uh, very much you know, the golden days were behind it. Uh, the, the culture, the civilization was, was really starting to drift and really starting to, to atrophy and decline, right? Uh, they're yeah. surrounded by these old technologies. They're surrounded by, you know, these old, you know, to them, it's wonders, these wondrous, you know, buildings and things like that. None of them work anymore and they don't know how to make it work anymore. And all they, you know, they, they just they just have their memories. And um, yeah. Uh, and th that's kind of the starting point. That's that's the start. You know, it's, it's a harsh world where they're struggling to survive. And, you know, they've got their ways of surviving, but very much, you know, their their, te their technology one by one stops working and they've lost the ability or the, they've lost the knowledge to be able to repair it. Um, you know, their, their, their farmland is slowly come going into retreat. Uh, so, yeah, sort of across the board, I wanted to capture this essence of a society that was very much in decline. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's golden days were behind it. And just sort of just these memories of once of what once was. Yes. And it's interesting because, like you said, there is, you know, and there's, of course, a few natural disasters on planet based natural disasters that kind of push this along. They lose their technology due to that. Yes. There is something we've alluded to, which is the culling that after they've stopped getting supplies, this is over a, a long period of time, but after they've stopped receiving supplies and they start, you know, they're they're they can't produce the food they need. They make a decision, a harsh, but it, it's a decision to basically cull a certain percentage of the population to make sure that the rest survive for right. the betterment of this planet. And it's one of those things where you're watching as you read this that you can definitely see this, you know, that they, they as they lose this, they, they their agrarian culture starts to kind of take the uh, the lead in here, but the uh, they start losing that access to technology. And one of the things, what was it? You'll have to forgive me because that's the one thing I didn't take a note on here, Brad, was the uh, GC, I think, was it oh, yeah. a special little piece of technology? Yep. Yes. And it's, it, we'll get into what that GC is supposed to detect in a, in a little bit, but yeah. the GC is one of those things where they've literally not been maintaining it because they know what it is and how it works, but out of rote, literally, it's it's almost like a religious following. I'm I'm yeah. using that word for a reason. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, and they literally yeah. are following, you know, following the, you know this this rote of you know. And thou shalt take the uh, the pin from the holy hand grenade and go count only to three. Yeah. But there is some of that in there. As, as much yeah. as I joke, that is what they're doing. They're literally saying, and you will take this board from this area over here and place it into the machine when the old one has, has, has the, the magic smoke has escaped the previous board. You know, yeah. you shall replace it. And it's like they don't know how this works. They just know how to keep it running. And that seems to be the case with a lot of what we see in this world is it's like they don't know how it works. They just know how to keep it running now. They're not even it, – it, it's, it's weird that, you know, 
that we're not seeing anybody yet capable of evolving and becoming better and thinking of new ways to do things. And I think it, it's, yeah, it's definitely a culture that's stuck in a rut and it, that's, it, that is very detrimental to them. Yeah. I, and, and I like, I like your, your observations there that, you know, that, that is something I was trying, you know, when, when I was creating the world during the word world building element, uh, you know, you try to imagine like, what would it be like for a culture that, um, you, you know, when, when you think of like, what does it actually take to have thriving advances in technology, right? Like you need to have a solid base of agriculture and food. You need to have all sorts of, you know, access to resources and things like that. Um, and like, what would it be like if you're actually on a hostile world and you don't have all of those things really robustly in place, you're, you're living really through, uh, you know, being supported from the home planet. And then that support stops before you've really fully entrenched yourself. Right. So you may not necessarily have access to all the resources you need. You may not have access to all the knowledge that you need and all the, all the tools that you need and things like that. And then, and then what would happen to that culture over, over time, over generations, over centuries, right? Um, you know, the, the, the path that I developed in, in the world building there that, that you see right off, right, you know, right off the start in, in the story is that, yeah, a lot of things, like you say, it, 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 it comes down to rote tradition. Like this is how we've done it and it's worked in the past. We don't understand all how the technology works but we know, you know, if we do this and then we do this and we do this, then it works. Like we don't understand why. It's like us turning on the microwave. Like we don't know. Nobody knows how to build a microwave, but you press the magical set of buttons and your coffee warms up, right? Um, exactly. And then, yeah, because because so much like their life. I also wanted to create that like their life is precarious, right? Like their life is precarious on this planet. They're, 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 the planet is not well suited to support human life. So their their existence is precarious. And so in that kind of situation, like I would I envision, I would imagine that, you know, those traditions would take on a certain kind of it's not like just like, oh, we're, you know, we celebrate Christmas because that's the fun thing we do. It's like these traditions keep us alive. And so they become like me, like powerful, like powerfully important to maintain and adhere to these traditions. They're what they're what keep the culture alive. And so uh, so so. Yeah, you know, religion, tradition, like all these, like we as a society, as a as a species, we have all of these uh, software, you know, cultural software tools that entrench these types of behaviors, and that's kind of what happened here. Um, these behaviors became entrenched in, you know, tradition, in belief systems, in religious systems. There are systems of power that enforce your adherence to them. And, you know, it, it, it worked, it worked, it kept them going. Um, but then, yeah, what happens when things change, right? Well, part, part, of, part of the danger of it working is that because nobody knows why, yeah. is that when it stops working, nobody knows oh. why. Exactly. And, but it also there's something in there, because we'd mentioned culls before, which becomes something mm -hmm. after they can't get easy access. Because you would expect... You know, like if you thought about if somebody, if say somebody, a world leader had said, and guess what? We're going to cull, you know, 10% of the population. Yeah. Oh, my Lord, people would be up in arms. That would, you know, that would be, you know, open rebellion, you know. But here 
it's accepted. People go like lambs to the slaughter because they know that they are doing something for the betterment of their community, that they will be joining their the founders and their fellow brethren in this this mythical afterlife they've created because they know that 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 like you said, this is become so much a part of their life that it isn't something horrible to be culled it's you know i'm stepping aside so that others may survive and that's a great thing for me to do and it's like you said it's it it becomes so much a part of them that when i read this story it doesn't feel weird that when certain characters have to go be culled they they're sitting there going oh it is my chance i will go now instead of fighting you know you know it they're they're literally accepting it willingly and that's that's like this moment where you realize that yeah that this whole culture is definitely drinking the kool-aid yeah <laughs> that's that's a, that's a good way to put it and yeah I, I chose my words i should have come up with a fancy name for kool-aid in, in the in the store yeah but yeah like you know when you look at cultures across the world, I mean, there are, you know, you, you can get people to do some pretty crazy things and yep. you can get people to risk their lives for a cause. Like you can get people to risk their lives for a cause and to sacrifice themselves for a cause. Um, so, yeah, like as as extreme as as that aspect is in this book, it's it's not, you know, if if you look around the world, it's not without precedent. And, and your no, comment, not at people, all. Yeah. yeah, people drinking the Kool-Aid just goes to show you if you if you want to Google the history of where that phrase comes from. Uh, yeah, that <laughs> that's you know, like that's 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 baked into our that's kind of hardwired into our, our species uh, in a way. This cultural ability to get people to do stuff like that, right? Which is interesting. Yeah. One of the interesting things about the way you wrote this is that not that your storytelling isn't original, which it is, and that it isn't impressive, which it also is, but that it brings to mind stories that we're also very comfortable with. Um, right. As As I was reading the book, uh, one of the main characters, uh, the Magestro character, and um, that, the whole Magestro characters. Yeah. As I, as I'm reading them, I'm going, well, okay, fine. Part warrior, part wandering monk, part Johnny Appleseed, or yeah. Kung Fu Adventures of Kwai Jang Kane, part Shaolin monk as he wanders the American West, armed only with his skill in Kung Fu. And I, I love it. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, yeah, the parallels there. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, it's that same kind of, e- even though the character doesn't will out that way throughout the book, there's your, that's the character you're, you're starting with as, as that character starts out. Yeah. Um, and, and then, you know, the, the whole setting of, of the way, um, the way you 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 set up this um you you, you set up ah uh, the way you set up your oh where do I want to go with this 
Yeah, way so, too much to uh, put out. I know, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get it to, to work the right way. The way you set up your planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is, like the society. And, yeah, the, the yeah. society. Yeah. And as I'm reading it, um, you know, I, I recall an extended conversation that I had with Harlan Ellison about okay. one of his stories about a generation ship. Right. And I'm going, yeah, this is exactly the same situation that he put his characters in over five generations, ten generations. Yeah. And I'm going, yes, it's you're right there. It's the same thing. Yeah. So – Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, and and I mean like I, like I wasn't uh, explicitly influenced by like I wasn't thinking I'm going to write kung fu in space, but you know like <laughs> I grew up watching that show. Like I grew up watching that show. Like these are all you know all the storytelling influences in our culture uh, are you know absolutely there. And there's you know there is sort of the wandering warrior monk archetype that's out there that that sort of plays into that and. And sort of the lost tribe of humanity archetype. Right, 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 that, right. That kind of plays into there. Um, absolutely, yeah. And and I think it, it plays so beautifully in this, in, in that your characters, as caught as they are, in literally hundreds of years of being taught that there's one way of being. Yeah are now having to learn differently. Yeah. And but, it's but, a it's a difficult process that that they're being put through. Yeah. And you're you're guiding them as the writer and and the society guiding them through this very difficult process through some very difficult times uh and it's it's uh it's not easy to watch. It's not easy to go through. Yeah. And it's a, it's a very difficult societal change that you're walking them through. And it's uh, from from the aspects of, uh, what is it, these five different characters. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Cam, Cam and I were talking about uh, those characters uh, before we we brought you on tonight. And which was our favorite? Oh, fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which one was your favorite? Well, mine was Esper. Oh, nice. And I like that she's I, I liked Esper, but I also liked Talia. There was yeah, something people... about Talia. She's a she's a creature of her passions and she she's the one that uh, that that just she will not it's sort of like you know we jokingly say that we you know don't swears I only do it rarely in fact I did it my, I I've said the f bomb last episode so nobody will get to hear it this episode but um, he's only allowed twice a month yeah twice so twice a month it's tw it's it's only once a year what are you talking about and but Talia's just she. She, because because none of these I I like to look at the uh, the uh, falchillo, which is what you call them. They're, they're the size of the founders. That's what your these yeah. hero these main characters are, yeah. as sort of like knights. And she's the one knight that sits there. She's got such a potty mouth on her, and she doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because her, her, 
Credo, who's the leader, keeps correcting her, says, you are making a mess of our language, our holy language. And she's going, and she's going, oh, sorry. And then the <laughs> next thing comes out of her mouth is an F-bomb or something like that. It's like, and I yeah. just, I loved her. She's such, she's such passion because then next thing you know, she's dancing in the streets or trying to romance about a half dozen other characters. Or getting drunk out of their mind, you know, getting one or the other. Out of her mind. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Talia was fun. Yep. Like, I, I wanted to create, uh, I wanted to create an opposite to the main. Like, Credo is is the main character. He's it's his POV that the story is told out of, and he's absolutely the 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 tradition dude, right? Like, he's yep. he's he's this, you know, he's brought up in the society. He's achieved a lot of success and order, you know, and fame and and stuff like that in this society. Like, he's bought into the system, and he's like a dour, serious kind of fellow. And yeah, I wanted to create a counterpoint to that, uh, you know, sort of like you know, sweet and sour, right? So, so Talia was kind of, kind of the, uh, the 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 mirror image to him, uh, as as in sort of the foil. Or, or uh, also, I think you know, some people have also kind of mentioned that that uh, you know, like she's almost like his conscience a little bit sometimes, or or his, yes. his human side a little bit sometimes. I would second that statement. Yeah, I, yeah, I can see that most definitely. Yeah, like she kind of she kind of grounds him a little bit in, uh, yeah, like she grounds him in 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 his humanity in a way, right? Or in humanity in a way, right? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Passes yeah. for humanity in this culture. Yeah, absolutely. In this, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. What, what's humanity in this culture is very different. It is. Yeah. <laughs> and then I look at the next two characters, which is the one Dome mentioned, Esperanto and Jack, and they are almost like polar opposites, where Esperanto is like this uh, this woman of knowledge. She yep. She's still a – she's a knight, but she's like a learned knight. She's the yep. knight that, you know, has spends her time with the scrolls, but then takes those knowledge to the battlefield and uses it, and is still she's, quite capable. She's not just a learned knight. She is – she's uh, she's a brilliant knight. There's yeah. a difference. Oh yeah. She just doesn't well, use. She's just not a book knight. She's she's just not a book learned knight. You know what I mean? No. Yeah. That's what I said. Is that she she goes out into the field and she's more than she's more than capable of applying it. But she's also because technically what I just said would apply to Credo to a degree. But she's willing to think beyond right. what yeah. everyone's learned. That whole concept, of, like I was talking about the GC, thou yeah. shalt put put panel A into slot B. And you know, Esther wants willing. to know why. Yeah, she's yeah, the one that wants to know one. why and figure it out. Exactly. And Jack is like the complete and opposite. Jack Jack's is like, just a pain in the ass. Jack is like the <laughs> warrior to the, to the nth degree. I don't have to ask questions. In fact, questions bad. Yeah. Thinking yeah. bad. I'm just going to do as I'm told. There's no questions. There's no, there is black and there is white. And, you know, you cannot, there's no, there's no room for in between. There is good and there is evil. I mentioned that word because at some point I want to talk with you about the devil in your story. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, we haven't even touched on the fact that there is a devil. Yeah. Yeah, in a way. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Jack is a blunt instrument, good and evil. And I'm on the, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, Jack's, anything I destroy, Mongo. Yeah, uh, but yeah. He, anything that Jack destroys is obviously evil because there's no way he can do. He if he is good, then therefore anything he destroys is evil. Yep. And if something was potentially good, well, it has to be evil because if I were to destroy good, that would make me evil. So therefore, ergo, 
I'm yeah. good, so therefore everything's evil. You know, it's like yeah, it's just yeah. that wonderful circular logic that makes him always the good guy and yeah. everything he destroys evil. Yeah, yeah, which is which is dangerous. Clearly. Yeah. 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 But actually, now that I brought this up, I think this is a good point to uh, bring the one thing up we have not been talking about, which is the devil to your story. You're, yeah. you're, if you say you've created a religion with this culture, yeah. there is the devil in this There's, world, in this garden. Yeah of eden and that is the malamico yes and trying to describe the malamico it's the thing is with the malamico it comes in stages yeah. stage one stage two stage three stage four and stage five stage five being really bad but it is basically let's say it's a fungus because it's funny yeah. i was reading your afterwards and i love this because when i read your afterwards and saw where you got your inspiration to it i'm going boy i nailed that on the nose yeah because yeah. this is this is a fungus that lives in on this world. It is it is it it's it's as sentient as a fungus can get. Yeah. Even near the end of the story, it's just, it's still as sentient as a fungus can get. Um, it's and it's lived on this world for you know ages. It's it, it's the native thing. Yeah. But it's as it in it starts coming in contact with humans, it discovers. Oh look. I can attach myself to a human, quote unquote, contaminate it, and yeah. it can help me do th more things than I could do before, and yeah. maybe even create, you know, larger communities of fungus. Yeah. And the Malamico becomes the devil in this uh, sort of religion. Yes. That we have here because it, the Malamico contaminates their food. It contaminates the land. It contaminates people. Yeah. And so, therefore. Anything that's bad in this world is obviously because the Malamico made it. Yes. You know, if, if somebody yeah. does something that's wrong, they must be contaminated by Malamico. That, that's and exactly, like, yeah, I, I love it. Ab absolutely, yeah. It, 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 it um, you know, when you look at what it is, ver you know, when you look at what it is in the world versus what it is in the minds of the culture, like it's it, in the culture, it's like, yeah, anything that's bad, right? Yeah. Anything that's bad, that's Malamico, right? Um, you know, and and that's what that's what I think. One of the things, you know, as you as you read through the book, as a reader, you get to you get to like you see the world through the eyes of the character, and that's what they see. Like ah, anything that's bad is Malamico. And then you, as the reader, you kind of have this other layer. You're the outside viewer, and you're like, is that um, like I could see why you say that, but is that is that is that as is that as true as it could be? Is that is that yeah, is that as true as it could be, or you oversimplifying some stuff, right? Yeah. Um, which is part of the you know, which is part of the challenge that the that the characters kind of face. Yep, and that's where I think we go back to that GC machine I was talking about. That GC machine is their way to tell when something is contaminated by yes. Malamico. It was something created by the founders that now the this 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 more agrarian culture is still trying to maintain through rote. And the problem is we are, by the time we get into the story, we're down to the very last GC machine in existence Yeah. that it will allow them to detect where, the, where these creatures are when they're too small to notice or their contamination isn't obvious. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it makes for a little bit of a horror story. There's almost like a zombie aspect or something like that um, in, in how they, they the bodies and control them, puppet yeah. them almost. Yeah. And yeah. it's just, it's it's so much fun and and you almost do watch them evolve. I mean, they're still not 
it's hard to call them sentient even by the end of the story. Yeah. But they 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 have certainly evolved beyond what the uh, the the our our humans have thought they understood about it. Well, exactly. Like, yeah. So, so it's so it's evolved beyond what they understood about it, and and as we kind of talked about earlier, you know, the the culture itself, the society itself, is in decline. It's in stagnation. So, so any change in the environment, like they don't really, you know, they struggle to adapt to it, right? Uh, they don't really have the tools to be able to adapt to it. They they've, uh, you know, they don't really have a dynamic culture that's able to withstand um yeah you know let's say the world changes and they don't really have the tools it's not in their rote processes that they have and and yep. and then it's like what do you do do you do you double down with what's worked in the past like and and i also try to create a world where the stakes were really high like it, this isn't just like you know we're going to ruin our saturday night like it's life or death for this society for this for this culture so the stakes are high and so when the stakes are high and you have no idea what to do is like what do you do what do you do when the stakes are high and you really don't know what the path forward is do you do you fall back and double down on what's worked in the past and just do it harder you know because it's worked in the past like is now the time to experiment with with new things when everything matters when everything's on the line or is that the perfect time to throw everything out the window and try something new and and i really wanted to to create that tension like have people wrestle with that um, and I think you did that well with the four characters we just mentioned, Credo, Talia, Esperanto, and Jack, all following on various points along that line yeah. of, you know, between double down on it and just it, it which is to me, Jack, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and throw it out the window and let's try something different, which is definitely Esperanto and Talia and Credo falling somewhere in between. Yeah. It makes for an interesting dynamic between the four of them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, they they don't get along throughout the whole story. I guess that's maybe a nice that's a spoiler free way to say it. They, they, they don't get along throughout the whole story. <laughs> that's fair. No, not really. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I would throw something out here because yeah. we just mentioned, you know, that this uh, the Malamiko are the big villains of this yeah. story. Yeah. But I'd also say they're not. I know, right? They're, yeah, yeah. Like who it's is something... the bad guy in this story, yeah. right? Because Dome and I were talking, we've talked about this term before, both on air and off air, and it's called a MacGuffin. And yeah. I would make the argument that the Malamico is in a MacGuffin. My favorite quote of, uh, what is it, Alfred Hitchcock is, the MacGuffin is the thing that the characters on the screen worry about, but the audience doesn't care about. Yeah. And yeah, I yeah, think yeah. to me, the Malamico, like during the first, I'm trying to go, I'm quickly just going through the book, trying to get an idea where my opinion changed. Yeah. I think it was like around page 50. My yeah. opinion changed from, oh, big bad bug hunt. Here's your monsters and here's the heroes come to stop them to I'm not actually really interested in the bugs anymore. The I'm really interested in this character dynamic and this world that you've created, Brad. And, you know, what's going on here? It's like this is what the characters are concerned about is the Malamico, but I'm not. I'm yeah. not concerned about them. They're just, you know, they're 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 sort of like background to me. The, the, here is the threat. The threat is the culture, which is, in some ways, at war with itself and could potentially destroy itself. The Malamico's just there, to be honest. That the culture is in some ways destroying itself and is more likely <laughs> to destroy itself than the Malamico will. There's there's a reality in which you realize 
that the Malamico is actually the accelerant. Yeah. Yes. Towards the destruction yes. of the culture. Yeah. But the culture is is on its way to becoming its its own destruction. Yeah. No, yeah. I love it. it yeah. It's like and, and so so Malamico's. It's not the enemy. It's the MacGuffin. And then yeah, absolutely. It's 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 the it's the it's the society, the, the, how do we wrestle with this? You know, um, like we only have the tool, like we have the tools that our culture gives us, right? Like we learn the things that we learn and we believe the things that we believe and we get this frame of reference and, and, um, yeah, you know, there's the, like the universe is bigger than that. Right. And yeah. uh, what, do we, what do we do when, when we encounter a problem that's bigger than, than than the tools that we've been given growing up in our society and in our culture how do we respond to that that's that's all i don't know I, I, that was a fun question that was one of the questions that i wanted to explore in that in that novel well you know it's, it's an interesting exploration at a number of levels here's our problem if we explore too much further we mm. start giving <laughs> away parts of the book we're not yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. do yeah <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. We're, so starting it, to, it, we're starting to tiptoe close to spoiler terror. <laughs> so at this point, what we've got to say is, Brad, it's a hell of a book. Oh, I'm, gl- I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you guys liked it. I'm so, I'm so happy to hear that. Thank you so much. And um, welcome to the podcast. Um, you're welcome back anytime. I love it. And uh, come on back with your next book. We've been talking with Brad C. Anderson about his new book, um, and uh, it's really an interesting book. It's about uh, Duotero, and it's about how life goes terribly wrong on another planet. Join us, join him on it, and come on back anytime. I love it. I'll take you up on that. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is made possible with the support of Granite Con and Double Midnight Comics, Plastic City Comic Con, the Upper Valley Comic Expo, Dreamforge Anvil and Dreamforge Magazine, and Comic Art House. If you're looking for a great gift idea, may we suggest Sci-Fi Saturday Night's anthology, My Peculiar Family, available on Amazon. The audiobook is also available on Audible. Our intro production was provided by Rob Watts. Check out all of his amazing work at robwattsonline.com. Our outro music was provided by Lawrence Made Me Cry. Their discography is available on Bandcamp. Thank you so much, Jojo. This is Dome saying shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. So unless it's daytime... Good night, everyone. I know you hate people like me. I know I do.